0: Delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.TV.
1: Taking a bite out of technology.
0: Hello, welcome to episode 525 of The Two Techies for Saturday, May 22nd, 2021. This is the show where we talk about the week's most notable technology stories in around an hour or less with Iron Fisher and myself, Jimmy Bunting. We come together once a week to discuss, debate, converse, scrutinise, and explore the world of tech. This week, Apple's new music venture. The FTC, the Federal Trade Commission in America, backs the right to repair. Epic's court battle with Apple continues. Welcome to what is episode 525 of the show. And as always, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. The week's most notable technology stories, as I said, in around an hour or less. And as we always say, that is a subjective term, it's what we feel is the most notable. Doesn't mean the only notable. Doesn't mean the only news. Um, and this week, <laughs> the trend continues. We have Apple twice. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> Again.
1: <clears throat> well, Same you enough. know, if you don't leave it up to me to pair, then we have <laughs> some non-Apple stories. Shots
0: fired. Shots fired. Something uh, which I just want to mention really quickly at the very start of the show and we do say this from time to time sometimes it's a password reminder sometimes it's a um, well, well I don't really know but point being this week uh, I'm, I'm sure you've seen them Aaron these scammer payback channels and channels which online particularly on YouTube which go out to catch scammers out or to try and protect other people from those scams and came across a few through the week they're getting more and more sophisticated which is just brilliant not the scams but the people who are catching the scammers out um and this is really great because it's sort of a cross-collaborative approach because I, I think in some cases these guys are getting involved with law enforcement or at least helping out or passing details on when they are able and essentially the reason why i bring that up is because we haven't said it for a while but obviously anyone who has an interest in technology or someone who has is a fae with technology will probably and likely not fall for these scams because while some of them are actually quite elaborate and from watching some of the videos online I mean these guys go as far as that they've now every so often their tactic changes and recently or at least in, from from seeing these videos uh, that they, they will portray to be Amazon or Microsoft uh, which obviously they've portrayed to be Microsoft for quite some time but their tactics have changed in that they either say you're owed a refund or there's a problem with the account so on and so forth and essentially it relies on you opening bank accounts online while they're viewing the screen and then the screen goes blank and then they edit the source code and then they're oh no we've refunded you twenty five thousand pounds or dollars or whatever and it was meant to be 250 or it's your fault because you put the zero zero and the point is they're preying on vulnerable people here they're preying on people who are trusting don't, com- potentially don't completely understand how these things can or do work. And it's disgusting. It, it is simply put, frustratingly angering, and I, I'm trying to think of friendly words to say here, but you, you get my point. But what is great uh, is that there is sort of that kickback. But my point is, take some time, especially at the minute when maybe we haven't been communicating with everyone we know at the minute or haven't been seeing those people in person due to obviously the elephant in the room. But the point being, take some time. There's no way
1: to describe me.
0: (laughs) Sorry. Take some time to remind those, your friends, your family, anyone that you think might benefit from just a top up or a reminder that these companies don't phone you like that. Your bank will never phone you. You will never be asked to send money to a holding account. You will never be asked to transfer money to Amazon, or you'll never be asked for them to to enter an amount for a refund on their computer. Make it the obvious cannot be obvious enough in these cases because it's obvious to us as we use the technology. But for those who maybe are a bit more, shall we say, intimidated by technology, just point out the fact you shouldn't have to give this over, you shouldn't have to do that and do that. Because, I mean, so many people are scared of using technology because they're scared of these scams. They don't want to fall for it. They have a hard time detecting what is genuine and what's not. And it's completely understandable. Um, And it's it's sad that that's the life that, that they have to live because... These criminals, and that's the only word for them, uh, scumbags prey on vulnerable. Um, uh, I watched
1: people. a uh, as a great interview. Um, I think F- uh, Philip DeFranco did it on YouTube. Uh, he interviews Troy Hunt, who is a security researcher. Um, he's the guy who made Have I Been Yep, great tool if you ever want to check which data breaches your information has been in because there's a high likelihood that if you've been around on the internet long enough, that list is ever growing. I think when I put in my email address that I used to use for everything, it's like everything under the Mm. sun over the years, like Adobe, Dropbox, like every kind of major company that had some kind of breach over the years, it has appeared in. Um, He keeps that list up, very up to date as well. Um, He put all the recent Facebook stuff in. I think you can search my phone number now as well. Um, But I highly recommend when people go check out that interview because it's really good. And he talks about scams and like people's default passwords and, and things like that and the onus on companies or the onus on us as in like the general consumer to to uh, not use 1234 as their password and whatnot. But yeah, it's a it, great interview. He's a super knowledgeable person. I highly recommend people check it out.
0: That's the thing. Um, and, and thankfully, I think it's a game of chase, isn't it? It's always one. It's one step ahead each time. And there are some really smart, intelligent, knowledgeable people, as you just said that thankfully stay ahead of this um, in some cases or always catch the scammers out themselves. Scam the scammers sort of uh, approach. And it's it's hilarious if you watch these videos online of the cases where they they do get the, the scam turned on them. And in some cases, these guys have worked for weeks with these scammers and built up a, let uh, say, quote, relationship. But you get what I mean, a sort of an, an almost a little bit of a trust um, whereby the scammer really thinks that they're onto something and then they're not. So yeah, point being... Um, Obviously maybe take a look to see what's what the latest scams are, be a with him, but more to the point um, educate those around you to try and remind them that a lot of the time it's easy enough to spot a scam because you will not be asked to transfer money, give bank details, log into an account, share your screen with someone. It just doesn't happen. Microsoft will not ring you up to tell you your computer has a virus or 870 for that fact. Amazon will not ring you up to say you're due a refund and you need to put the details into a super secure irreversible portal as it's called in one of these scams. Ludicrous absolutely ludicrous.
1: I don't know about you, but I still, if I get what I believe to be a genuine email, let's say I get a receipt or something from PayPal, I'm still so wary of all this stuff that I will just not click on anything in the email and go to paypal.com myself. Absolutely. I I
0: think that's best practice. Yeah.
1: Like even if you know 99% sure it's genuine, that 1% of me is going, I've seen these videos
0: well, that's the thing, and 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 the point is, some of these scams. There, there was a point made years ago, uh, and I, I mean back twenty ten when we started the show, that these scams were actually quite easy to spot because there'd be typos, the format would just it, it would look similar, but it just wouldn't be right. Maybe the logo was a bit offset; it wasn't. Is central. there a reason or, for
1: that? Has like anyone yeah. ever said why?
0: Yeah, so essentially, these guys don't want everyone to be scammed. So if the email looked absolutely bang on point, it would be easier for more people to get scammed. What they want is a smaller proportion, because obviously, if, if more and more people get scammed, it gets reported more, it goes to the authorities more, the banks will have to investigate more. Um, not saying the banks wouldn't, or, but but you get my point. You're you're basically making yourself more noticeable at that point, and then you, you potentially yes, you get a higher reward at one point, but you're you're flagging yourself a lot earlier on than what you could be if you just got a small proportion at the end of the day i guess if these guys get one in every hundred or one in every thousand or i don't know what the proportion would be but it only takes one for a good day essentially and i hate to use those terms but you get what i mean and so they they, they didn't want to it does seem now that well, it's a game of numbers isn't it and and the problem is for everyone that gets caught or shut down or noticed there's another one popping up and that's the problem the sheer volume and scale of this this is just it's it's a pandemic in itself and i i don't think that's That's actually realized on a general level. Um, And also the next problem is having the the skills to combat it. So and and this isn't to be condescending, but in some cases I think unfortunately certain agencies and law enforcement to some extent aren't fully equipped to deal with this. Obviously going forward and and as the years have progressed more and more so, which is brilliant, and I think more interagency partnerships are key here. So working hand in hand with different agencies who have different skill sets because not one skill will sort this problem out because you have a physical problem whereby you actually have to locate them. You have a problem of trying to establish what the scam is. You have a problem. There's so many different elements. It's not just a a very simple cut thing. It, 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 It The criminals are smart enough, but ironically, when you watch some of those videos, they're really dumb. <laughs> when you know are actually, there was one where uh, the the guy in question had actually he was using a virtual machine, to, uh, which essentially, which meant it didn't matter whether the guy ruined the computer or not. And obviously, on his real machine, he was recording it all and and doing different things. And I I don't know exactly, but I think he created a separate connection using TeamViewer to look at you know the the file explorer. He just wiped his files. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end he was like he was just absolutely you just heard the regret in the guy's voice I will never do this again I'm so sorry I please I need my files back And they said, well, well tough luck and the irony is that the, the guy was playing the role of a, a what seemed to be a, a lovely uh, elderly lady who wasn't taking any of his crap which is just brilliant because I thought you know what there will always be the doubt in that guy's ha- head was that an old lady Sh- ooh okay you know so 100% um, we need more of this essentially uh, but we also need more in terms of law enforcement cracking down so it's but unfortunately as i say i think i think this is an underworld you know all those things that we're making it sound a lot more elaborate than what it is but you, you get the point there are so many people at this these are centers these This isn't just one person this is a a group of criminals because again that's what they are group of criminals in a center or in a location all working in tandem trying to target vulnerable people and we need to do more collaboratively we need to do our own part and the part that everyone can play is informing those who may be more vulnerable to not understanding what's happening simple as right um starting off on a great note right lovely <coughs> lovely message for the morning but uh before the main news we will go to the quick news
1: The price of Bitcoin fell below £24,000 for the first time in three months on Wednesday after China imposed fresh curbs on cryptocurrencies. Beijing banned banks and payment firms from providing services related to cryptocurrency transactions. It also warned investors against speculative crypto trading on Tuesday. It follows falls in Bitcoin of more than 10% last week after Tesla said it would no longer accept the currency. Meanwhile, other digital currencies such as Ether, which acts as fuel for the Ethereum blockchain network, and Dogecoin lost as much as 22% and 24%, respectively.
0: Colonial Pipeline has confirmed it paid a £3.1 million pound ransom to the cyber criminal gang responsible for taking the US fuel pipeline offline. Its boss told the Wall Street Journal he authorized the payment on the 7th of May because of uncertainty over how long the shutdown would continue. Quote, I know that's a highly controversial decision, Joseph Blunt said in his first interview since the hack. The 5.5 thousand mile pipeline carries 2.5 million barrels a day. According to the firm, it carries 45% of the East Coast supplies diesel of fuel, petrol and jet fuel. Chief Executive Mr. Blunt told the newspaper that the firm decided to pay the ransom after discussions with experts who had previously dealt with Darkside, the criminal organisation
1: behind the attack. Rejoice! Microsoft's Internet Explorer will finally be retired next year after more than 26 years of service, the tech giant says. The veteran web browser was released back with Windows 95, will no longer appear on consumer versions of Windows 10 after June of 2022, Microsoft wrote in a blog. The tech giant has been phasing out the old browser for several years. But in 2019 it had no issue, it had to issue an emergency patch for it for security reasons. At that point, it was estimated that around 8% of people were still using it. They are the bane of my life. Its replacement, Microsoft Edge, has an Internet Explorer compatibility mode, which will continue to function. And finally,
0: Facebook and Instagram are threatening that users will need to pay for their services, but only if users don't allow the pair to track them from the app after installing iOS 14.5. Following the release of 14.5, all apps must ask permission before they can track a user between apps and websites. That has companies like Facebook worried about their ad revenue, and they're trying to trick or use every trick in the book. To make sure people allow them to track them. The new screens in the ad our apps are blatantly suggesting that users can quote help keep Facebook and Instagram free by allowing ads. That in turn suggests that declining could cause the companies to charge for access in the future, though it's unclear how likely that is, given Facebook's ad-based business model. It is amazing how volatile these cryptocurrencies are, and I I remain open to anything that could help or be more productive going forward into the future. But I just, I remain sceptical, not saying I, I would completely write it off, but I just remain sceptical over the volatility of cryptocurrencies, i.e. Bitcoin, i.e. Dogecoin, i.e. um, Ether. I just, I I don't know. Are you with me on that?
1: Yeah, I think, so, k- cryptocurrency, I think you go back, what, seven, eight years now? Kind of like 2013 time. Mm. New, new kid on the block, um, and it was touted as this the next digital currency who was going to be used for payments and whatnot. I think the problem many people have today is Bitcoin isn't being used for what it kind of felt like it was touted for and what it was meant for. It's basically just being used as a way to hold the dollar, isn't it? If that makes sense. Like, you're not paying, people aren't paying for things on websites with Bitcoin, people are just trading dollar for bitcoin and then back again at a different value bitcoin Did- is just being held at the moment which kind of i don't know i think the i think that this kind of past couple of years of up down like you know some weeks you're reading it's past forty thousand pounds or whatever it is some weeks it's like now it's it's below 25 or whatever it is um it's so up and down and that goes for any any company anything you put put your money in this is, a, is is highly likely to happen. But yeah, I think something needs to... Well, things need to settle down before I think these cryptocurrencies can realize their full potential. I mean, if something is so volatile that a tweet from Elon Musk can just completely tank its value or something, then yeah, that's a little worrying to be putting money into, did, in my eyes.
0: Did you not pay for your Tesla with Bitcoin? Oh yeah,
1: me? you know, I'm a huge fan of Tesla and Elon Musk, so of course <laughs> I purchased my Tesla... Oh, I can't say that was straightforward. Face. <laughs> also, this. Oh, God. Sorry. Completely unrelated note. Tesla finally getting some real competition. Ford this week announced their uh, electric F 150, and that thing looks sweet. Sorry, Aaron.
0: You're right. Um, This really annoys me. Really annoys me that a company was forced, and I get the point. I, I realize why, but forced to pay 3.1 million pounds, 4.4 million dollars of a ransom to scumbags because they were put in a position whereby they, I mean, th- this was a real sort of emergency because, and it shows you how reliant people are still on, on, on natural fuels, which I mean, th- obviously. But <laughs> this is, you can hear Elon Musk, well, if we were electric, this wouldn't be happening, would it? <laughs> but you get the point. Um, th- this, this is just, again, I get the reason why it was paid. I understand where the commerciality was behind it, but it just really infuriates me that, that, that there was a... P- that this work this happened again it's trying to stay it's one step forward in front every time and this is why you even get companies like Google Microsoft Apple who employ people to exploit vulnerabilities in their software to try and hack through different security features and functions because you really do have to stay
1: one step ahead the value of a bug bounty program and things like that I think if you offer I mean you're always going to get people who are going to want to screw you over more than they're going to want your money you take a thing like this and And 3.1 million probably a drop in the bucket compared to how much that company's losing every day mm. through it being offline. Yep. Um, but I think companies that do offer ethical hackers or whatever you want to call them, red hat hackers, the ability to try and penetrate the system, try and find those vulnerabilities for a cash or some kind of reward just makes total sense. And I think yeah, you feel bad for this company in a way, but I think the other side is well, security should be pretty high on everyone's priority list these days. This, I, I, I dread to think the amount of stuff like this that goes on around the world World that uh, gets stopped or thwarted by a company having half decent security. Mm. So imagine the attacks that Apple, Google, Microsoft must face on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, daily like and daily. I it would. It I bet it's insane.
1: Yeah. Um. I, you know, kudos to those security teams for a either making it not happen or b keeping it under the uh sweeping under the rug. But yeah, I'm I am i am I agree with you that it's a shame that it has to come to the the paying the ransom. Um. The actual full article this this snippet has come from is actually quite an interesting read kind of as to why um it sounds like they kind of realized there was they had no alternative like it was pay this or it's not getting fixed um which is the worst kind of thing but yeah 3.1 million probably dropping the bucket compared to the daily losses so i think from a monetary point of view it just makes sense
0: yeah commercial decision could you just read the first sentence in that third story again for me, Aaron.
1: You mean the happiest thing I've read in a long yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, could, yeah, you yeah just, okay. could you read the, th- uh, the, the, the sentence? It says, Microsoft's Internet Explorer, the famously fantastic browser that we all love, will be fi- will finally be retired next year after more than 26 years in service. It's kind of true. No, it won't. Yeah, it, th- th- this this is <laughs> like... No, it won't. <laughs> you is, just know what's coming, Well, right? that's what I mean. It's kind of true. It's not going to be made of Available on new versions mm. but I think anything that shipped with it it's still going to stay there yeah. and it might still receive security patches it, it's like come on it it was th- and and that's the problem it's it's
0: like xp it just feels to die oh, okay xp's gone now i really i think if i saw xp on a computer somewhere i would I, I would raise an eyebrow but but it was quite acceptable to have xp on a desktop only a number of years ago and so much so that and correct me if i'm wrong it was xp that the nhs had that they paid yeah. microsoft a, a large sum of money to think, continue support for right i think the u.s navy did as well i mean there was that's like a just that isn't that just ludicrous because we've we've just said about security we've just said about how a company and and what happened with colonial pipeline not saying it was or wasn't a case of lack of interest or investment or oversight on their security may or may not have been or it may have been a vulnerability that was there that no one could have foresaw uh, and and it just happened who knows but the point is, if you are so lackadaisical to the point that you have to pay a company to keep support for a product which you've been told long in advance is being dropped, that just shows how draconian your technology system is. And I know, obviously, certain in, in certain cases, the, these systems are holding a lot of data, and they are very important. And, I mean, probably are required 24-7 in some cases. But the point is, that's exactly the point. That's why you should be on top of this. Surely that is just obvious. Yes, and. You should always be able. You should be in a position where you can update. You can apply patches immediately. You can apply updates. You can cross transfer the data.
1: You've never worked at IT. I could tell. Well, <laughs> but,
0: well, but no, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm not saying it is. I'm saying it should be. Yeah. But it never is. Good so luck. It, it never is.
1: <laughs> I mean, you take something like the NHS. You've probably got hundreds of thousands of computers in various states of ownership and, and maintenance. And I think in an idyllic world, exactly. Exactly what you said would be true
0: yeah, that, that, in the so real world. I, I wasn't <laughs> saying that's what happens, but I'm saying in a company whereby there is such an onus on the importance of this data, whether it, either, it is either confidential, whether it's required 24-7, whether regardless, the point is it shouldn't ever be like that. But the reality is, it never isn't. Not it isn't always
1: the case that it's just not in a good state of repair. Isn't this the same NHS that like leaves stuff lying around, famously, you know, have unencrypted data and stuff like that? So,
0: and it's not just it's not just that organisation. It's it it's across the board, as you said. Um, US Navy, for example, if that's the case, it just it just seems like there's. And I get it. I think these organisations are cash strapped, and really they they're having to put the money where it matters, and the reality is, it's it's. I'm not saying obviously technology doesn't matter in those cases. It really does because it's it's. But it's only when you don't have it when you realize the important. You take it for granted otherwise because you if you're on a system that's old or vulnerable or outdated, it will work and it will work until it doesn't work. And it's only when it doesn't work that you go, oh crap, and and that's trust, when you realize. You, trust yeah.
1: Trust me, people only realize the importance of stuff when it's broken.
0: Yeah, it's it's like it's not not having your data backed up. You don't really.
1: Until, until it's gone, you have no data. idea. What's that? Until it's gone, you have no idea.
0: Yeah, until you've lost data, you sort of you just underestimate how pin-sticking that really is. But alas, um, Internet Explorer, back onto the point. Um, yeah, it, it just needs to go. And I'm not a web developer, uh, and I, I, I don't know any web developers. <clears throat> But I can imagine this is just painful to work with. Uh, uh, do you even optimize for Internet Explorer anymore? Is, is that a thing? Do you?
1: Uh, well, isn't this bearing a topic in mind, this, is, this bur-
0: b- Bearing in mind, Aaron, this is quick news, so we don't have all day.
1: So, yes, you do still have to optimize for Internet Explorer. It's mm. a case-by-case basis. Okay. And that's mostly because of exactly the reasons we were just talking about with Windows XP, that so many people, not so many people, the problem we tend to find is, let's say you're working for a large company that has thousands of employees. You can guarantee, let's say, that, let's say they have 1,000 employees, 999 of those will be using Chrome. The one person checking the website will be using Internet Explorer, I can 100% <laughs> guarantee you. It. it always seems to end up working like that. And no matter how many times you tell these people that the last non-security release of Internet Explorer was twenty. 20- 13, I think. You can't have your fancy animations and your new JavaScript syntax and your, you know, all this native stuff because it mm. doesn't support it. Stop asking. Like, you can have Internet Explorer support or you can have a modern web. Pick one of them. You can't have both. Yeah. And so okay. many times we will just, you get a modern version in every other browser and then we basically make it so Internet Explorer doesn't look like it exploded. It doesn't work properly or it will like be completely flat with no animation animations no nothing Uh, you know bunch of stuff won't load but like the bare basics will keep in there um but other than that you know we're trying so hard to drop into an explorer so reading this this week was like the whole dev team i think we wanted a pop champagne and celebrate
0: absolute glimmer of hope and then, this is really not surprising, uh, please give us your data, we need your data, says Facebook, but they don't use your data for anything, they don't, they wouldn't profit off anything really, would they? It's not within them.
1: The funny thing is, doing this, or offering incentives to get people to click that allows the track phone is against Apple's App Store guidelines, so it'll be interesting to see if what they're doing is actually skirting skirting the letter of the law slightly. fully aware that Apple have uh, bigger App Store problems to be dealing with this week, um, but but yeah, it's a, it's a bit of an interesting one because I think we when we talked about this last week a little bit, I said that I've seen so many apps that have kind of been doing that whole oh pretty please please let us track type screen before you get that pop up. Facebook yep. obviously just going down the if you want to keep this app free <laughs> is like <laughs> yeah. extreme
0: yeah. Pay, pay pay to track pay well because I guess if you well on if, that note actually but if 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 someone pays to use the app, but this is totally hypothetical. But then they log in on the desktop version. Surely the desktop version can still track them anyway. So, I mean, I I know most people probably use mobile, but you you get the point.
1: On that note, I wonder how many people, if Facebook and Instagram turned around tomorrow, Now this is never going to happen, but if they turned around tomorrow and said both of them are now subscription services, I wonder what the (laughs) uptake is.
0: I'd say pretty slim. Pretty, pretty slim.
1: I mean, I think five years ago, we would have said it's 95% of people. But I think today, I think it would be less.
0: I wouldn't even have said ninety five. No, I, I I don't know what I would have said, but I certainly would have said that proportion. I I don't think it's. I think it's just the handiness and the convenience to people. And I also think if they were to charge something else, would come along because inevitably it always does
1: anyway. MySpace makes a comeback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bebo. Oh, that's coming back though, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, I think. Hang on, I'm going to Bebo.
0: You signing up for an
1: account? probably already have an account. Well, wow, I already <laughs> have my old Bebo account. Let's See, it's still it's. it's yeah, it was announced in January of 2021 that it be returning as a new social media site the month after.
0: Wow. So it's relaunched in February then?
1: As of March 2021, Bebo remained in private beta testing, but it does exist. Great. Wow. wow. 2005 all over again, everyone.
0: Absolutely. What isn't 2005 is Apple's announcement this week that Apple Music will be gaining support for spatial audio with Dolby Atmos at no additional cost starting in June. I hate to say it, this is huge. Uh, and I hate to say it, but Apple may have just. Sherlock a whole other bunch of companies and we said this before we talked about this at length last week in terms of the differences and who this is for and we kind of made the point that most general consumers those people who have a Spotify subscription may, may or may not notice the difference between lossless I and mean, it just depends on who you are as a person your ears what music you're listening to what environment you're listening to it in. What equipment you're using to listen to it etc etc it's it's completely 100 uh, subjective uh even though it's not technically when you look at it from a technical point of view it, it has a higher bit rate it has more information in the file it's a larger file it contains more uh, yeah you get the point but really is there a noticeable difference and even if there is is a difference that you're willing to pay more money for that was the end point and we made the point people will decide with their pocket because why pay more for something that really ultimately you're only going to notice three percent of the time. So it was really interesting when Apple this week said, "Well, we're going to give you all this at no extra cost." That is a selling point, and it's also a point at which they've just heard other companies which charge well, for this.
1: The interesting thing that I found is about an hour or two before Apple's press release came out, Amazon released their own press release saying that they're, they're dropping the price. So it's going to be they're doing the same basically. Hmm. If you're a Prime Music subscriber, you have Prime HD now or whatever it's called. So amazon i don't know it's either a very lucky coincidence or they wanted to be the first to do it so apple apple didn't even have to do anything at that point and they already had other companies changing their business model
0: which is fine it's fine for amazon but i I mean more for the likes of title this really was a selling point i Deezer as well. Would you know of anyone who uses, as you say, Tidal, Deezer, or those other services which offer lossless? Would they use any of those users, unless they actually wanted the lossless experience, would they not just be using Spotify or Apple Music? No,
1: I think so. Spotify doesn't have lossless. No, but my um, point
0: is, if they weren't subscribed to Tidal or Deezer for the lossless experience, then they would just be using a generic platform like Spotify or Apple Music in the first place. The point is... These platforms are potentially becoming redundant because of what Apple have just done. Yes, no.
1: I think what you have to remember is. Apple Music really only applies in a certain ecosystem. Apple Music is on Android, although I believe I read this week that it won't be getting lossless or released at the start. So I think people who are on a different platform or want to use the web or whatever aren't going to be using Apple Music. Now, when Spotify turns up with their version, different story entirely. Yeah, I think this definitely hurts the likes of Tidal and Deezer who charge extra for the privilege of lossless. That was always their selling point. so I think for Apple to come along and basically... I think is it, it, it kind of sums up perfectly what we discussed last week, though, because we we kind of ended on, as you said, the how are they going to market this? Who are they going to pitch this to? And it's like, well, Apple just kind of cut that problem out, didn't they? Because they don't have to market this to anyone. It's just part of Apple Music. They market the the music itself or however they've been doing it. And the lossless is just sort of this thing. It, it's a great little tick in the yeah. uh, decision system. The one thing I do love about what happened this week is people like, oh, can I play on my AirPods? It's like, oh my God. (laughs) It's like, one, the AirPods aren't good enough. Two, they're Bluetooth. I'm pretty sure Apple have even said that this stuff isn't going to work properly over Bluetooth. Like, you're going to need a DAC to, to have stuff work. Um.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I I have to. Well, so, I mean, you're not going to get the full immersive experience, but there could be some differences because, again, it's all down to bitrate. If you're listening to a low bitrate file on a uh, set of blue. headphones, you're going to notice the difference between. A, 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 and, and you could do it through compressing this show if you compressed it at a really but Bluetooth uh, small bitrate. Bluetooth can't, I guess can't transmit no. that, though. Yeah, so the bitrate well, is. Well, it, it can to a certain extent. Well, depends what you're listening on. So if. If it, well, if sorry, not what you're listening on. Depends what you're listening to and what the format of it is. There's going to be a, a slight difference, but it's not going to be
1: discernible, really.
0: But the, the difference is going to still be there, whether, yeah, whether I, you can discern I it or not. I don't
1: think Apple are doing it over Bluetooth anyway, though, so I don't think it will make a difference. Um, I think Apple are reserving the Bluetooth off, Obviously, the spatial audio um, will... I think the Dolby Atmos stuff as well will also work over anything with the H1 or W1 chips, so that's Beats and, and AirPods. Um, but I think the loss And AirPods, stuff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Beats yeah. or AirPods, The uh, lossless stuff and then the high-res lossless, because there's obviously two tiers, I don't think are going to work over Bluetooth for obvious reasons. Um, It's the same with all Bluetooth. Um, If you listen to Tidal on Bluetooth, not same. You know, Sony try and do some trickery with their headphones. They've got LDAC, which is a a special format they can do to get the higher bitrate over Bluetooth. Um, But I think Apple are pretty much pinning the lossless on. If you want to listen to lossless, you need a DAC. Mm. you need an external DAC. You're not going to drive it with the iPhone. Um, I don't know about the Mac. The Mac's the interesting one. It kind of doesn't really say. I would imagine you do need a DAC. There's, um, but it'll be interesting.
0: I mean, you say oh, obviously the the Mac will be capable of supporting it if the DAC's connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh,
1: yeah. No, that, that, sorry, that's not what I'm saying. I don't know if the default headphone output on the Mac will be able to support it because when you go into the MIDI interface on the Mac, so if you have let's say a CalDigit plugged in, you can. See all the uh, bit rate um, that it will support. Whereas if you just select the default output on the Mac, it capped, I think it's capped at CD quality and it won't go to the high-res stuff, I mm. think. Whereas I think if you have an external DAC like the Cal Digit, you can select up to 24, 192, which is Apple's high-res stuff. Um, so yeah, it's going to require a little bit of playing around to get that working properly. And I think people are going to need some kind of additional hardware. But the people who care, about high-res audio already have the equipment to play high res audio th- this is why it's the same price because Apple th- know. that's not going to get in any customers a lot of yeah. people just are quite happy listening to AirPods you know where the high res isn't going to make a difference unless it's been remastered because some of the high res stuff does get re-exported and remastered that's a different story because that could sound different across everything but
0: I, I yeah I, I think you've hit the nail on the head it's, 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 it's and we said this last week it's only for those that really already are quite invested in sort of that sort of ideology that are are going to to get the true proper benefit but at the same time it's a perfect selling point for someone who as as I said just uses their AirPods listens to their music when they're out and about or when they're doing something because realistically we're never going to be using a high quality audio setup in the first place in that instance if you're out with headphones then you're not going to be carrying an audio DAC or um, an amplifier or good speakers about with you. So it's it's as you say it's for the person that it applies for. But what's nice about it is the end users who may not use it for the most part or may never really use it to its fullest, truest potential will still have the option to have the highest quality music playing at all times when they want to. No bad thing.
1: It's no bad thing unless you're on a data cap. In which case it's a bad thing. I think that one of the other interesting things that we're kind of glossing over here is the announcement of spatial audio. Um, The whole idea of that is similar to what they do with their TV and movie stuff. Um, places objects in a 3D space, but it's still stereo in your AirPods, which is quite an interesting concept. Sony and I think in the lamp, you could select 360 audio. Then they have a whole list of stuff that was like mastered for 360. And then mm. the Sony uh, noise cancelling headphones support 360 audio. It's weird yet cool when you listen to that stuff because it places things... It's hard to explain. It places things in space around you. That you, your brain goes, oh yes, this instrument is clearly twenty feet to your right, or it's twenty feet to your northeast type thing. Like it's just mental how well this stuff works, and Apple Spatial Audio works or produces very similar results, uh, or from the TV and, and movie stuff we've heard. Um, so I'm really excited to try that and see how that works. Because being able to, if you're listening to let's say orchestral music with a with a big orchestra or whatever, being able to hear the different instruments in Base, I think could totally transform that type of music totally totally
0: i i I think that the thing about audio is we kind of i think we're we're almost doing a a full 360 because back when vinyl was a thing and cds and and when people were more invested in an audio setup what it wasn't as convenient when you actually had to sit down and listen to music rather than just carry it about with you the quality was more integral it was more of a, a, a part of the experience then audio became personal with the ipod and mp3 players and maybe even CD, portable CD and tape players. And that was lost a bit, but it was lost because of the convenience of listening on the go. And completely, of course, those who wanted to remain in a setup and so on and so forth and have that high quality experience, yeah, completely, it, it still, there was the option to do it, but most people didn't. Whereas now, as you've said, having that spatial audio, it could really reform what you can do with a, a, just a normal personal setup. Kind of interesting because audio technology has changed, but it hasn't really fundamentally in the last, what, 20, 25, 30 years. Years, yeah, maybe even I, more.
1: I mean, you know yourself, you've got a decent set of speakers and a, and a great amp and speaker technology and amp technology doesn't get replaced once a year. No, a decent set of speakers from 40 years ago is still a decent still set of speakers today. today. You know, microphones and speakers, basically just the inverse of each other, I guess, Yeah. don't change. They don't. I mean, obviously, technology gets better. You can use newer materials, better materials. Maybe you can make it lighter weight. But essentially, it doesn't change in the same way your phone. So I think audio is a really interesting space yeah. to innovate in Agreed, um, and to create this kind of stuff because it's not necessarily about producing that better quality. It's about coming up with new ways of people listening to it, which I think is really cool. The thing that always, you talk about the iPod there that made me laugh is the iPods always used to come with, they have a great DAC in them. I think like towards like I think the 5th gen um, I think and before, they have like Wolfson DACs in, um, which are great DACs. I think the original iPod Touch has it in as well, and then obviously Apple bundled that. They bundled this great DAC, which is costly for them to do, and they stuffed in those white earbuds. I'm not talking about the earpods. I'm talking about the ones that came before the earpods that were like absolutely dreadful. Um, it's just kind of funny, and it's kind of funny how they stopped doing that. They they started going for the cheaper cheaper option that um, produced a slightly different uh, different sound.
0: Either way, as you say, this is this is a case of Apple. I think Apple realizing what the target is. Of course. But if you look at proportionality to how many subscribers Tidal have (laughs) had versus what Spotify and Apple Music, maybe even Amazon Music have, I think there'd be a discernible difference. Um, And I think that will continue to, to, those two will become further away from each other as time goes on. Partly because obviously Apple has just given that option for free, but also the fact that it depends. It, it, it depends what the person wants. However, as you said last week, and I meant to to agree with you actually, because I I, I was thinking as you were talking, you said about Tidal and its discovery. And um, any I've used Title, yeah, the discovery is fantastic. The, the suggested tracks are bang on point every time, or at least for the few times I used it. Not saying that Spotify isn't, because that's one thing Spotify is again good at. But for some reason, I just the songs that Title suggested, I'm Like, yeah, this is good. Oh wow, yeah, that, discovering. New music that I wouldn't have otherwise ever heard of
1: that was yeah that was a big thing for me I, Spotify I always thought Spotify was first place but I think for me Spotify's second place now I still love the discovery on Spotify I do find sometimes Spotify starts suggesting the same thing over and over if that makes sense like um yes yes it basically pigeonholes you into a genre yeah um, whereas title goes we've got your genre stuff and we've also got some new stuff we think you might like yeah uh, and then Apple music is like what is suggestion? <laughs> which That's- which which is great because
0: streaming, there are two sides of streaming obviously there's the side of it's not great for the artist because it, it doesn't pay the, the royalty that they really deserve and I'm, I'm not disagreeing, it, it doesn't. But in the same hand, and this isn't to excuse it, but there are artists who have made it or are making it or at least better or known than what they would have been if it hadn't have been because music was previously before streaming those who made it to the top with record deals and so on, the others did struggle to get, get anywhere because it was the old, age old do I really buy a full CD Uh, for, For the risk of not liking any of it So that's why people stuck to what they knew Or they bought discs with artists they knew And then obviously when iTunes came along When it was 79 or 99p for a track Well that became easier But now with streaming, you really don't take any risks because you can listen to a song. And if you like it, you you listen to it again. If you don't, you never listen to it again. And so it helps that discovery. There's an argument for, argument against. Yeah, and everything, I guess.
1: I'm pretty sure. uh, I mean, I know for certain that I've discovered tens of artists that I never would have before. And it's not because I never would have bought their CD, it's just because I would have never heard about them. Yeah, sure, sure. I think the other platform that's actually been really good for music discovery, or at least for me, is YouTube. I discover so much music on YouTube. YouTube makes some great little. If you if you watch or if you listen to music on YouTube, maybe watch music videos, whatever it is, then YouTube starts creating you playlists and mm. they appear all the time, and it's like these are actually really good. Um, so that's yeah, that's definitely another place that I've I've discovered a lot of music. Alas, uh,
0: the Federal Trade Commission says consumers should be able to repair their own devices. Tech lobbyists say letting people fix their own stuff's too dangerous. The FTC is not buying it. This is a a topic that has been around for as long as technology has been around for, and I think again it it's sort of doing a three sixty because when when technology came out original when technology came out originally because we were around for that, Aaron, weren't we? When when technology yeah. went, when the first yeah. computer Sh- came out, showing sure our age there yeah, during the <laughs> the war. Yeah, um, but the point being technology was built to be repaired technology was built in a cumbersome and modular manner where things were put in and taken out and it didn't matter if it looked great or not, it just did the the function that it needed to do and obviously as technology developed, years and years and years of innovation and repair or sorry, design and research um, research and development it has came into the form that we know today of the, well it looks nice and it does the function but if it breaks well, you're, you're yeah, just throw it in the bin because even in the case of the iPad, and I think it's still true to today. Maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong here, Aaron. If if you smash your screen in your iPad, yeah, Apple aren't replacing that. They're you, well, they're not replacing the screen. They're, you're replacing the iPad sort of thing because it's glued to the KISS. You can't replace the battery on the iPad because it's glued in place. They are not going, they don't want to open the screen up because it's one sealed unit.
1: The same with the Macs these days. They've, yeah. they've slowly gone from batteries that are replaceable by you, as in externally. You know, I've got a like a 2006 and 2007 MacBook over here and they've got external replaceable batteries. You know, you turn a little, kind of one of those keyway things and the battery pops out. And then as you moved into like the early 20 or late 2000s early 2010s they kind of moved to modular batteries but you had to take the bottom off the laptop which was still okay i think for most people um cuz you got that unibody design and then i look at my M1 Macbook and you can open the bottom up but the the battery cuz they have to make it so thin which is like the whole shtick isn't it um the battery is glued to the top case yeah. So you you can get it replaced. I think Apple have a a battery replacement program for the Macs and the iPads as well. I think so Apple will replace your battery. Obviously, it comes at a cost, but feels like I don't remember that being something they could have done several years ago. But maybe I just wasn't looking.
0: And it's not just Apple. Obviously, we're we're, we're saying Apple in this case, but it, it's most technology companies nowadays especially even with laptops again as you say removable batteries they're becoming less and less of a thing and really in in the case of a laptop the battery is the part that's going to go the most it's going to go earliest and it's going to need replaced the soonest and and by being able to change that battery easily a consumer is extending the life of that whole product which then falls down to this environmental concern that we now have because we are consuming more over a shorter space of time and getting rid of things a lot quicker and this this theory of e-waste is is becoming a bigger and bigger problem i think in tw- so in 2019 alone we threw away 53.6 million tons of e-waste and i think in 2020 that that plummeted again went up even more and so companies have a huge pressure on them rightly so to do things which combat this and Apple have always been very well at least in their recent years have been very aware very conscious and very outspoken about their commitment to the environment and I don't underestimate that because they do some fantastic things about the recycling programs their commitment in uh, packaging and product packaging so on and so forth Um. And but but I think more has to be done because I, I actually think and, and and I'm keen to see what you think here, Aaron, but I think Apple in one way skirt around the issue because, yes, I get it. What they're saying is we will recycle your phone when you give it to us, which that's great. It's much better that those things are recycled than sent to landfill. They have taken out certain accessories in certain products. For example, in the new iPhone, they don't include a, uh, a wall charger. They say most people now have those, which again, fair enough. The box is smaller so it means they can ship more in a a smaller space which reduces their carbon footprint. They have a a environmental sustainability progress report. They have a a, a section on their website all to do with their environmental efforts and I'm using Apple as an an example here because I think they're the cleaner the cleanest cut of all the companies at the minute. Um, They say they'll be carbon or by 2030 every product that that they they sell will be carbon neutral. They are currently carbon neutral at the minute um, as a company. They say they have a plan um they have a, a really environmentally friendly headquarters, but their products still can't be repaired by the end I user think easily.
1: I so for me, the right to repair kind of works on, but I I don't think um I I don't think companies need to make a product repairable by the end user. So mm. I don't think they need to make it so mean you can swap the battery. I don't think anyone is asking well, for that. Well, y- yeah, exactly, but and, and you're right what, there. Yeah, I think what the big thing is is that we're picking on Apple a little bit here, but it's just the lowest hanging fruit. Um. <laughs> You take a company like Apple and you take a look at the latest set of iPhones and if you take it to anyone other, if you smash your screen and you take it to anyone other than Apple, that person can repair or they can replace that screen. But the iPhone will then automatically disable certain features. So I believe it turns off things like true tone, base ID, you know, a whole bunch of stuff that just seems dumb in my eyes. Like, why are you turning off things like True Tone? Now, Face ID is a tricky one, because I kind of get where Apple are coming from. Apple compare or the Face ID. It's the same with Touch ID. Face ID and Touch ID were paired to the board inside the phone. So if one of those got replaced, it didn't know what was going on, because Apple wanted a combat against if you took my phone, and obviously it's Face ID locked, but if you swap the Face ID sensor over and it goes, oh, yeah. oh I know who you are, or something like that. Or you swapped the board over. I don't know. Whatever you might do. Apple wanted a combat against that. But it's it's how much it now expands to. So like I say, the screen itself. Something that should be replaceable. That's not a paired part. Um, I think even batteries and whatnot are starting to be paired in the newer phones. Which is super dumb. Mm. Um, you're basically making it so people can't take their phones or their device to a third party repair shop because you want them to come into your store and pay them the premium. Of doing that, that is where the right to repair really kind of steps up for me. Yeah. I, I I don't really care that I can't replace the battery in the phone myself because it's given me a sleeker, more waterproof phone, you know, thinner, etc. Whatever.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. You're willing to trade certain elements. I, exactly. I, and, and there's two, there's two clauses to it. So well, number well, actually, there's more than two. So first off, I refuse to believe most end users would have the skill, knowledge, patience, equipment and ability to replace a lot of certain certain yeah. parts in certain products and Agreed. that's not condescending. I don't either myself. Obviously, everyone can go and look online at a guide. There's one thing looking at a guide and actually having the skill set to do it. Now, that's not to say everyone would be that that way inclined. Some people have an engineering background, some people work for companies that manufacture or repair these products, so they have that skill set, and that's different. But there is actually, there there are so many different angles and aspects. One of them is safety. So if you're repairing devices in your house, which connect to electricity, you want to make sure that is 100% done right. And then there's the question Question of if someone's to do it themselves because it's user replaceable, if they don't do it right and something goes wrong, it's on fire, or it gives them an electric shock, or something happens, what why does insurance work? Because obviously insurance want to make sure the product was genuine, then the warranty is void because it's not done through the manufacturer's guide. So there's a whole horde of headaches there. And I agree completely with you, Aaron. I myself I'm willing to compromise on certain aspects of repairability to to have a better, more sleek product, because I understand the two are completely incompatible with each other. You cannot have a product that is completely user replaceable. And repairable that will look as good as the products that are available today. And the companies know that themselves. But there is an aspect to it that I think goes over the top, which you've literally just hit the nail on the head, whereby third party repairers can't. So it's not a case that people or lobbyists for right to repair are basically saying everyone should be able to repair everything, or sorry, everyone should be able to repair everything, because they can't. That's not how it works. And even if they could, They shouldn't. You shouldn't do it just because you can. Because again, there is that question of, is it done right? Is it safe? Is it fit for purpose? But the fact that an engineer or someone who is qualified the fact that Apple try and get in the way of that, that to me is more of a, a profit issue. And and in some cases that will, and maybe the companies don't see it this way, but that then has an environmental problem. Because if someone can go to a third party repair and get something repaired at half the cost of what Apple would charge, that might be the difference between them deciding to keep the product or just replace it. And if they replace I, it, they may just throw out their other product. And i am that's one case but multiply that over thousands of people and do that on a yearly or bi-yearly basis,
1: then you see the problem there, right? I think Louis Rossman, I think it was either MKBHD or someone else has done a, a video on the right to repair recently. I think Louis Rossman put it very well. He's um quite well-known YouTuber now. He does all the repairs on, on devices like iPhones and MacBooks and, and whatnot. Um, and he said, if the company wants to make it so, or if the company, to make a better product, they, let's say, do all these fiddly components and fiddly soldering and fiddly connectors um, or they surface mount chips and, and what not differently and whatnot. He said that's fine. That's not a problem right to repair because he said as a repair shop that's on him to figure out how to do and buy the tech or the equipment to be able to repair that stuff. Yeah, That's on him to do. What's not on him to do is that Apple basically make it so you can't do that. Yeah. Now picking on Apple, you, you, you take any of the industry
0: uh, yeah, yeah, J- yeah,
1: John just, Deere are yeah. a famous example in the agriculture industry, they basically lock everything down, so you have to have a, a, a John Deere technician repair, replace whatever it is uh, a part on your tractor or, or whatever. The cars are going more this way yeah. as well. Cars are so technologically advanced these days that I mean, they're even they're they're almost beyond the point anyway. That if something is broken on your car, you can't just hit it with a hammer anymore, which <laughs> you know saddens me greatly. That, that that makes the issue worse now. It doesn't yeah. fix it. <laughs> as a Jeremy Clarkson fan, I am sad, um, but. But there is so much that you can't do on a car because it's locked down or tied down to the dealership, mm. which just is ridiculous in my There's a whole industry built up around third parties being able to repair, replace, whatever it is, bits on a car. That same thing should carry across to the to the phones. Now, I think it kind of highlights what Luis Rossman was saying perfectly in the car world. Mechanics, uh, garages, whatever it is, they adapt every year, every week to whatever new Technology a car manufacturer is using, or or are they putting something together differently, or they're mounting this, or they've glued this instead of screwed this. Mechanics, dealership, uh, whatever it is, they figure out a way around that. The same is 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 even more difficult in the in the personal device world, such as the phone, because of these extra steps that the companies take to lock you, the third parties, out of the device. Go back to what I was saying at the beginning. You can replace. You, whatever it is, I don't know, a headlight on a car, you can get that part and you can replace it. No matter how difficult board, let's say, have made it, it's still possible to do it. A, a dealership or a um, mechanic or whatever has figured out a way around that. If you take the same thing to a, your your phone, you can't replace that screen because Apple go, ah, oh, you've replaced the screen. We're going to turn off half these features. If you did that in your car and the car went, no, I, we see you put a third party in there, we're going to turn off the headlight. Can't use that anymore. It'd be outrageous, wouldn't it. But mm. we kind of accept this in the phone world? Just seems bananas to me.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I think look that we, we could talk about this for hours and hours on end. Um, the the case of this story is the FTC says consumers should at least be able to repair certain parts of the devices or certain parts of devices should be repairable Um, that products should not be a one and done case, they should have their their life extended in cases where it's possible to do so and there are multiple viewpoints for that, there's environmental and economical. Most people are driven by the financial incentive Uh, I I hate to say it and this shouldn't be the way it is but it is. When is the last time you or someone you know, Aaron, made a purchase purely based on an environmental decision environmental decision. When something breaks, do you say, do I fix it or not due to the environment or is it cheaper to repair or replace? Because I guarantee you, you go for the, the, you look at the finances, you don't think about the environmental clause, do you? And it's only, I'm not saying we should, but that is how it happens. That is the case these days. If someone said, well, it's it's going to cost uh £500 to repair this, but for £900, which a lot is, is the case of a lot of the times, a lot of interchangeable parts and products are actually really expensive to buy in themselves, almost sometimes the cost of the product, and in which case the consumer will just write off that product and buy a new one, because even if they replace the part that's just broken there are a whole horde of other components within that product which are likely to break at some point and then at which point it's not economically viable to replace those parts makes sense to buy a whole new product at least from a financial perspective and have all the new products uh, sorry have the product with all new components again I'm not saying that's right I'm just saying it is what it is Um, and and the, the idea of planned obsolescence we could get into that as well but I don't think we really have time but the point is manufacturers need to do more to make products repairable not necessarily by a layman or the end user, but as you rightly said at the start there of the the story, by engineers who are qualified to do these things, and that's the difference. It's different taking it to someone who's qualified or an authorized repairer than yourself or someone who thinks they know what they're at. That's that's different. And yeah, exactly. Uh, but but I, I think that there's a long way to go here because this is this product this this problem is not going anywhere anytime soon. I don't think it's getting fixed anytime soon either. Legislation will come in, but it's going to be slow and it's going to be the same with any legislation with technology, behind and... I think the manufacturers will continue to make the point well we can't design a product as we design it and we can't make it in the way we make it if we're going to make it easier to repair. I think there's a small element of truth there but I think for the most part that is just completely um, obstructive trying to remain in the case that their bottom line is is kept i.e. they can write a product, if if you take a product to Apple they'll be quicker to write it off and encourage you to buy a new one or they'll charge you something extortionate to repair it, right? There's there's no in between there. Yeah. So I think in that case, I mean for example actually there's there just just before we end because we'll leave the epic the apple story to next week because we, we just don't have time to cover it it is quite a, a wholesome story so um we, we'll do it the justice it quote deserves but when 20 2012 13 20, 20, no 2011 i can't remember essentially the previous iMac i had had a recall on the hard drives, I think it was Seagate, and Apple recalled them to replace the hard disk drive. And obviously carrying a 27-inch iMac to the Apple store was a bit cumbersome to take it in for a repair service, whatever. But it, it went in for a recall based on the fact that the drives were prone to failure at a much lower use cycle than what was anticipated or there was a problem. Seagate recalled them, Apple recalled them or whatever happened and my iMac went in I can't remember the exact stories but essentially because it was so long ago but when you when you take a product in you sign a waiver the the, the person in the store goes over it and looks over it and looks at the general condition are there any marks scores, scrapes damages dings, dents etc and essentially I mean like yourself most people will look after their products and in in this case obviously it's an iMac I'm not carrying it about with me it's not it had nothing on it no marks no scrapes no scores no scrapes nothing it was as new right and that's exactly what they wrote in the uh, authorization form product condition as new no no damage, no wear, no tear, no nothing, right? And it was really only a year or two old at this point too, so and so I left it in to have the hard drive swapped out as per the uh, the Directive. And whenever I went back to collect it, I went over it with a bit of a fine tooth comb. Well, not really. I mean, I just had a quick look at it to see the general repair. And the bezel at the front—it's obviously very sharp, the aluminium block that they're made out of—and there was a ding in it, which it looked to be either it had been hit on the side of a something sharp, or or, or at least hard, or whether a screwdriver had hit into it or a tool. And it certainly was not there when I left it in, and it was right at the front of the product. You know, it was so noticeable. and immediately, my eye was just drawn to. I didn't even have to really take a look over it. You could see it. It was, you know, the, the the aluminium was hit in. And I think it. I think I just. I think I talked about this in the show at some point years ago. But the point being, I mentioned it, and right enough, uh, they said right, and they had a look, and they went back and had a chat, or someone came out and looked and said, oh right, okay. And, and and whether or not someone knew something had happened, or whether it was just an accident, no one noticed. They didn't put a fight up against. it, They said, you know what, our bad, we're sorry. I said, no, yeah, it's fine. These things happen. I mean, it wouldn't have been as bad if it had been at the. Back or so on, still would have been acceptable because it wasn't taken in in that condition, and it was ultimately a thousand plus pound computer. But these things happen, so I said, "Well, look, obviously, from just get it repaired or whatever wet works." So that the casing, they 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 said absolutely, we'll repair it. That's on us. And I left it there to to be repaired or replaced, have the shell replace the, the the aluminium shell or casing replaced. And about a, a couple of days later, they were waiting for the part to come in because they didn't have that actual part in stock. Then I got a phone call, a voicemail to say to call called the store. called the store, and was told, "Look, we actually don't have this part in store. Or sorry, 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 in stock anymore. We can't get that casing. We've stopped making it because this was the transition over from remember the thicker iMacs to the the con- concave iMac design. Mm. They were literally just the the the, the changeover." And he said, um, "We we can either offer you." Uh, I think it was a compensation or a refurbished iMac. And immediately I said no to both. I said, well, no, I've, I've I've taken in what wasn't as new, brand new iMac, which I purchased. I expected to walk away with the iMac in that condition. Compensation, don't want it. And a refurbished computer, as far as I'm concerned, is not what I purchased. So no. Again, they didn't put a fight up because I think they knew rightly. Well, they're bad. They damaged it. They're going to have to sort it. So they offered me a brand new computer. And it was the, the newer concaved design. So, I mean, I couldn't fault in any way what, what they did. But my point is, they weren't able to source that part because they'd just stopped manufacturing, which is fair enough, you can't manufacture parts forever, I get that. But as a result, you know, the, that whole computer had to be taken away and then replaced with a new one, for the fact that they didn't have that part to replace it with, that's not exactly environmentally friendly. Now, I guess that that probably went away and got sold as refurbished, or the parts got taken out and recycled, of course, but the, you, you get the point, Aaron, that yeah. obviously that's a very, I don't mean easily replaced part, but for the sake of a, an aluminium casing or, or body, wasn't my problem, so a new product had to be given and and that's because they they probably made that product with form in mind not function. If it had have been a PC where it just, it, it was a case of just a bit of a pl- piece of, uh, I hate to say, it, a piece of plastic or just a side casing or something, that would have been completely different. But Apple, in a, in a way, <laughs> their pockets aren't, their profits aren't, but in a way they're sort of a victim of their own game, really. You know That that, that, that was their own fault, right? They, they damaged it, but also they made a product which wasn't easily repairable. Go figure, right? But alas, I'm sure there's there's plenty of instances and circumstances and cases where that's happened. Um, and again, uh, correct me if, if you think I'm 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 wrong in saying this, Aaron, but I don't think this problem going gone away anytime soon. I think this is here to stay for a long time. For as long as technology is in its current form, there's going to be a back and forth battle over who can fix it. Why is it designed like this? Why is it not environmentally friendly, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's only right. I think that pressure needs to be placed because we are in a place where we, I think really, when you look at the ban on, on petrol, diesel cars, for example, that's coming in, like it or not, it's happening. Uh, uh, certain... Um, schemes and initiatives that are coming out to try and make people more environmentally aware and environmentally friendly. I think unfortunately we're in a place now where we just have to take action so it's only right that that pressure is put on companies to play their part
1: right? Yeah I think we were talking about this the other day. You basically just force you just go no this is what's happening deal with it and it's like yeah. well this sucks but okay. Yeah you know.
0: exactly and, and, and actually just the final thoughts. Apple kind of do that themselves remember when they took the disk drive out and everyone said oh there's no disk drive what am I going to do this is awful always done that
1: though. you look at yeah. the original iMac and the early reviews were it doesn't have a floppy drive and yeah. it doesn't have serial and this and that it's just like yeah because you just force people to head now apple have tried that several times over the years and it hasn't worked i, I don't <laughs> think thunderbolt took off like they no. wanted it to i don't think the portless macs have, have exactly gone down the way they wanted it to and they've been doing that for like five years now so it works sometimes to it some works. extent yeah yeah Exactly.
0: As we say, we'll leave the epic story to next week. There's a lot on it, and it's very interesting. It's, and, and again, multiple perspectives and viewpoints, so we'll discuss it then. That does it for episode 525. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. You can find more episodes on over at munchtech.tv or our mobile apps, munchtech.tv forward slash mobile or the ultimate guide to podcasting, munchtech.tv forward slash ultimate podcast guide and podcastassist.com. For our newsletter, munchtech.tv forward slash newsletter. And of course, we talked about 2012 there. Going back to 2012, January 2012. Our interview with Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple, computing pioneer, engineering genius, munchtech.tv forward slash it was. It, it, it was, well, pretty much nine years ago. In fact, over nine years ago, but it's still, still in some way relevant to today. As always, as I said, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. See you next time, next week. Same time, same place, episode 526. Until then, have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.